five, four, three, two, one. Hey boys, welcome back to the Coast to Coast podcast. This is episode four, part two. We're recording a special Father's Day edition of the podcast on a nice day in Montreal. Uh, how is it in Vancouver, boys? Awesome. It's gorgeous. Guys, it's nice. I mean, I haven't been outside in, like, for a while, but it's nice. I don't think, for my I window, don't think Ryan's nice. seen any sunshine since he's uh, woken up, hey? No, you, since we're recording our faces, you, I opened the blinds, so it's, uh, it's a treat. The trees yeah, are, are green, and it's uh, sunny. It's a good day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sure everyone's kind of still riding off of this, you know, Raptors high, there's a buzz around AD to the Lakers like that's crazy so I can't really I can't wait to talk about the NBA season and the offseason coming up but let's not forget what the marquee event is on on our schedules uh, or the next marquee event that is on our schedules and that's the NHL draft and correct me if I'm wrong boys but I'm, I'm super excited to have Chris on today as our first ever guest on the Coast to Coast podcast. Yeah welcome Chris um, super excited to, to chat with you um, and uh, I think this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun, and the timing is good. So we'll see if we can if we can dig out any diamonds in the rough from uh, from what you en- end up giving us in terms of some strategies and stuff like that. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Chris. Uh, looking forward to it. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. I really looking uh, forward to it on uh, Father's Day, and I just didn't realize I was the first guest. So uh, this is great. Lots of pressure. So. You're getting in early. You're getting in early. <laughs> we'll see if we can set the bar low enough for you guys to go up from here. So. <laughs> um, so we do a lot of rambling on this podcast. So hopefully we can, you know, make this kind of concise and get through this and not bore our listeners to death. But um, so just to intro uh, our guest here, Chris McDonald. Uh, Chris played four years at the University of Western Michigan. He was the captain there for three of those years. Uh, he then went on to uh, coach the Queen's uh, University team. So uh, we have an all-Queens podcast today. So um, big, big fan of that. Also, go Broncos. I, I, I had done a, one of those university camps where you know a bunch of midget-age players would go and tour a bunch of these uh, uh, American universities, and I loved that rink. So um, shout-out to, to the Broncos over there. Um, yeah, um, and also, um, and obviously most recently, uh, Chris, you've been with uh, the Vancouver Canucks as an amateur scout for the past seven years, is that correct? Yep, going into seven next year, so six full-time, yep, so right awesome. on. Yep. Awesome, yeah, <laughs> So, which, so <laughs> I'm sure this is, a, is, this is an exciting time for a guy like yourself, right, in and around the draft, so we really appreciate you giving us uh, your time. You're welcome. Yeah, it is an exciting time for sure. This time of year is when you finally get to see a couple of years of work uh, finally come into play. And with hosting this year, as you guys being Vancouver Connection, uh, hosting is a pretty big deal too. So uh, I'm interested to see what they do Friday night and who they roll out there to help make that pick at 10. And uh, yeah, it should be exciting. We're going to talk about that today. Awesome. Uh, before we kick things off, I just wanted to kind of introduce everyone again just because we kind of have a a crowded podcast here today uh we have ryan landon felix and myself uh we have a bunch of questions lined up for you uh so everyone's gonna have a shot at you uh so yeah just introduce myself again uh my name is connor uh chris we've known each other for for a couple of years um, so I, I'm currently working at, uh, sport logic as a hockey data analyst. So we're kind of working more on the, the analytics side, but I did play a little bit of junior hockey. So I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a, 
of a hybrid in that in that sense so um yeah so ryan i'd, I'd pass it off to you yeah um hey chris welcome Thank super you. Ex- super exciting to have you um as a canucks fan there's there's so many questions that that we're interested in in getting a little bit of intel on um right right now i'm working in digital marketing and, and trying to parlay that into into a career in, in sports media maybe sports writing um, but that's pretty much the goal, and for now, we're, we're just having fun, and, and we're really stoked to uh, have you on today. So thank you. Great. You're welcome. Yeah, and uh, as, I'm, as I talked about this about five seconds before we went on air, <laughs> uh, but we're doing it again, I guess. Uh, I'm Landon, uh, lived in Kingston, and went to Queens for four years, uh, graduated with a geology degree, which has, which has nothing to do with sports. <laughs> But uh, I've been a lifelong Canucks fan uh, ever since, uh, you know, I can really remember, you know, ever since I started watching TV, I guess. And um, yeah, I've been paying attention to the draft for probably as long as I can remember, too. So it's it's great to finally be able to talk to someone who actually knows quite a bit about the draft. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, well, thanks Chris. for coming on the show. You're uh, welcome. Chris. I look forward to it. Hey, Chris. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you again. Um, yeah, I'm Felix. Uh, currently living in Montreal, pursuing my graduate degree. Uh, I've been a lifelong Canucks fan since 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I watched my first game live with the Vancouver Canucks and the, the Ducks. Um, and yeah, welcome. Happy to have you and really looking forward to your insight on it. Thanks, everything. Felix. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you guys for sure. This is going to be good. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so do you mind if we just get right into it, Chris? Absolutely. Let's go. Okay. Drop, drop the puck. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if we can uh, we can live up to the hype here. Um, the game of hockey kind of continues to grow uh, and get better at a global scale, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say this is evident by the parity in international tournaments. You look at the World Juniors, where it's not just Canada's tournament anymore, right? Um, Finland seems to be you know winning every single uh, um, international tournament as well. So it, you're, you're seeing these teams kind of come up. And these uh, these programs start to develop. Um, so I guess, how are our NHL teams trying to ad- adapt and keep up to like this expansion in terms of, uh, you know, players coming from different regions? Given you know the limited resources that you guys have, is there something like, you know, is that where your analytics department kind of adds a little bit of value? Well, yeah, I, th- I think there's uh, two parts to that. <clears throat> um, th- those teams that have been successful. Uh, first of all, let me start at the back end. Our, our analytics department is is helpful across the board uh, with what they've been doing for us. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those tools that if you, you use it, and I tend to use it as much as I can, you're you're taking some value and adding a piece to to a puzzle once you're looking at players that you, you watch all year. But if you, you take the analytics and the data and you put it toward that player, it gives you a much clearer picture than you wouldn't have before. So, and in Europe, right. with the amount of games being played in Europe and in Finland, as you mentioned, it does help that you can at least have some high def video and some breakdown done by people before you even go to see that player yourself. So I think that's part of it too. As far as resources go, most teams now and uh, have guys in Europe full-time and they're sending people there more based on where the good players are, which you've already touched on. So on, if it's a strong year 
in Finland, for example, our, our full-time guy in Sweden might spend more time in Finland than he normally would. And uh, some teams now, Connor, guys are even sending guys over uh, on a three-week stints and back for a week from North America. So you're, right. hitting, on, you're hitting on something there fairly accurate. Um, I know some other teams have had guys do that where they, they're basically North American guys, but they've offered to go over because it's a strong year in Europe and spend a lot of time there to A, have that experience, and B, see a lot more players because they're on good teams over there. So you're, you're definitely hmm. on to something correct there for sure. And, and when you mentioned Finland, you know, those teams like uh, in the Finnish Elite League and in the, in the SHL where, where, where Elias played and, and even the U.S. development team, if that team had been in Europe, there would have been a lot of people making the trip to see that team. So your sort of real, reallocation of resources is, is obviously the smart way to go. But your analytics department plays a role in that for sure, as long as you allow it to do that, put it that way. <laughs> well, yeah, you were saying that... Um... You know, in order for, you know, you to go see a certain region, you're kind of doing your research in terms of, you know, the birthday, like the strong years, right, for, for those regions. And so I'm guessing it's kind of, uh, you know, their 16, 17-year-old year, looking at the Holinka, looking at, uh, you know, I guess the models that your analytics department's putting together, and then that's kind of where you're, you're sending guys for, for that period of time. Correct. And, and if it's, like I said, if it's a year where, <laughs> a year ahead of time, you're, uh, Patrick Johnson does full time for us in Sweden now. I know if I ask Patrick uh, Tuesday or whenever I see him next week, hey Pat, I've already asked him this question. What's next year like? He knows. He'll know what next year's like in Czech Republic and Finland and Sweden. And then it's up to Judd or or Jim or or the guys in management to say, okay, maybe we should be reallocating our schedules here a little bit. And and the West had a strong year last year, and and Quebec was a little lighter. So you're you're definitely correct and saying that you need to remove people around to make sure you're getting the, the right number of quality views and seeing those big tournaments that you already mentioned. That's great. That's Yeah. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I'm just going to jump in because I, it was a, a phenomenal answer and, and super interesting. And what sort of spurred us to ask that question was, um, you know, we see teams like Florida who are so good at picking great Finnish players and aren't afraid to sort of reach maybe a few picks ahead of where they're projected to go because they, they know so much more about, about those players than other teams do. So I just feel like that's super interesting as well. And even with a team like Tampa Bay, um, I mean, Vasilevsky and Kucherov are, are both Russians who, who fell a little bit in their draft. And I feel like had they uh, been scouted more regularly by other teams, maybe Tampa Bay wouldn't even have had the chance to pick those guys. But that's sort of where uh, the inspiration for that question came from. So amazing, amazing answer and, and super cool to uh, to know how that works for sure. Yeah. And, and to, to take it a step further, and uh, you guys are bang on with this, take it a step further and do a little background check into how Alex Edler became a Vancouver Canuck. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal story. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, the background of that one with him playing pretty much in a beer league and Thomas Gardine happens to see him play and only one other team was even in the ballpark on him and next thing you know, he's got a pretty good career uh, going. So, yeah, you're right. You need to get people in to see them and the analytics and the video, especially how high depth the video is now. It helps a lot. It used to be you'd get a grainy video out of some rink in Europe and you wouldn't have a clue who even the players were. Right. And, and now, <laughs> now it's so much better and at least you can get a feel before you get a ticket over there and and see those guys play. So yeah, you guys are bang on as far as uh, the European thing goes. Adler, Adler was third round, wasn't he? Was he yes. in the third round? Yep. Did we go, yes. come there? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think the Canucks have a great identity with Swedish players. Um, just like Connor was mentioning, Florida with Finnish. 
and then uh, recently Tampa with Russian players. So yeah, I, I think we've been we've we've been kind of the the poster boy for for Swedish right. players. I would say um, maybe maybe Detroit for a little bit too, but Detroit is also just Detroit has drafted a lot of great. <laughs> A lot of great um foreigners. It's gonna be right? harder so. to do what Detroit did in the in the Datsuk years and yeah, right, right. That that's that's. I think what you're talking about is a little bit of that. Ten years ago or eight years ago, you might have been over there and scooped a bunch of guys in the sixth, seventh round. You're not you're yeah. not gonna get away yeah. with that anymore. <laughs> or even even Pavel Pavel Bure. No, definitely Knox, not. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And go um, back even and look in the. I don't, you want to go back that far? Go back and look in the mid <laughs> mid '80s and see the number of Russians that were elite Russian world class players that were drafted yeah. in the ninth and tenth round of teams because they didn't even know if they come. But that's another po- That's another podcast. Yeah. 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 No, that's that that's so true, and that <laughs> that sort of leads into actually my my next question. Um, because especially in a year like this where, where pretty much everyone and, and their mom knows who's going one and two, yeah. uh, <laughs> after that, it's, it's more of a mixed bag. And, and we, we've talked about this for a while and we sort of think even like from the three to the 15 range, um, those players are sort of interchangeable. Um, so we're wondering in a draft year like this, when the, when the order is less certain and obviously, um, professional scouts are not just going to go by the list that they see or the hockey ranking prospect tools that are being put out there but uh, when players are essentially equally rated or seem to have an equal grading in, in terms of what you guys are looking for what are the smaller sort of more granular factors um, that you use to determine who, who ultimately gets ranked higher and then picked whenever your, your slot comes up well I, I think you, you touched on it a little bit already the reason some teams have had luck with guys even in the fifth mid-round guys because they've gotten to know them better uh, they've gotten to be more confident that they know what they see and then they make those decisions based on tons of information and, and and that's what you're talking about I think with those type of players so for us to go to the combine was pretty telling uh, we try and dig in there as deep as we can for 20-25 minutes but most of the time the work that's done before the combine and what you're talking about with two players that may be very similar, rated similar, guys have given them similar numbers during the year. Off, sometimes it can come down to maybe you've spent a couple hours with a player and had dinner with him or met his family, and there's just something in your instincts that's telling you this person's going to succeed. And, right. it, and when you compare that maybe to player B, where you get an opposite vibe to that to say, I'm not sure whether this player's going to succeed. And if I had a choice between player A and player B, you listen to Brian Kilray and people that have talked and coached thousands, over a thousand kids. Most coaches will tell you, I'm taking the higher character person no matter what. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and that's the stuff that, you know, Jim Benning would be listening to quite carefully when he's sitting around or sitting, listening to us talk about players and names are on boards because eventually they're going to end up in a room uh, to make that final decision at, at 10 and 40 and whatever numbers throughout. And th- even those three picks in the six, like if the key is hitting on those late guys, as you guys, I'm sure. That's what, that's where you clean up. That's what Jim says, right? hundred percent. And if you can grab a guy there that becomes a player or even an undrafted guy that you invite, th- that's where you make the difference. So yeah, it's a bit of a long answer, but I think the character issue is, is gets underestimated and, and possibly the analytics gets a little underestimated and if you can use the right amount of all of those pieces why wouldn't you and and the character is the the key part beautiful oh i love that for sure that's an interesting point 
um, Chris, just because, you know, from, from our perspective as, you know, maybe an analyst or a fan's perspective or even the media, you know, at a lot of the time you don't get to see uh, these kids um, outside of, uh, you know, the, the highlights on YouTube or the hockey TV subscription that you have, right? That's a great point. And, and imagine if you went and you just watched, as we were joking about in our January meetings, if you just watch highlight videos on YouTube, what, what kid is going to put a highlight video together that isn't his absolute best stuff, right? <laughs> so, of course. Right? <laughs> of course. Well, a year from now, you're going to have your highlight podcast, and it's going to be your best stuff. <laughs> But you know, hopefully, <laughs> it'll be it'll be a short one. It'll be a short you one. You have to sort that out, and I think you guys are on the right track here. And that, you know, imagine if you had a rule. Uh, I joke about it. It's being imagine if you had a rule: no dinner, no draft. If you if you didn't have dinner with someone, you didn't draft them. Would that change? Yeah, things? I, I mm -hmm. think it probably would. So it would. You no, know, you know. mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 pretty hard for us for fans to know behind the scene. You know who really did well. Uh, personality right, wise, but so, I guess I, one mm -hmm. one one recent uh, uh, memory that kind kind of comes to mind is not that I know Bo, Bo Horvat mm -hmm. at all, um, but I remember how much his his draft stock uh, rose as the London Knights kind of uh, went on that magical right. run where yeah. Horvat was a leader mm -hmm. and he I, what did he did he score the game the the the, the championship yeah, goal right, I think right. quite six seconds scored a pretty yeah. pretty a pretty clutch right. goal so people were kind of saying. Um, yeah, this guy has great stats, but I mean, look at where he's like, look at look at how he's yep. scoring, and like, look at the character that it takes to come up clutch in those yeah. situations. And uh, it, so far, it looks like it's been a pretty good captain. Bo at, at night, yeah. yeah. hopefully this summer. But then, we'll if, if you re and if you rewind the tape and you think, okay, at the time, uh, trading to get the ninth pick and and having Corey Schneider leave to get New Jersey's mm -hmm. pick in the year they were hosting the draft to give up that pick. And, and take Bo at the time, it, it, it's yeah. not as easy as people think. And I remember spending a lot of time talking about that, but to spend 30 seconds talking about Bo, what makes him a valuable person? It, it's the player, it's all the stuff he can do. But when you get to know the person, you know, he, he grew up on a farm. His, his dad is a, mm. you know, they're just, they're good, salt of the earth, nice people. And they'll do, he'll do the right thing in, in, in every situation. So there's, there should be a way to evaluate that. <laughs> you <know? laughs> do you have a Bo Horvat story, perhaps, of, of that 2013 draft? I, I Maybe think meeting his that, parents or the coaches. Yeah, I, I think in meeting his mom and dad uh, and, and meeting him before, but especially the way he handled himself right after. Like it, it was all about making sure that his little brother was looked after and could he come up and he stayed up in the suite and – like it, just the way he, you could tell he wanted his parents to enjoy it. Like it, right from the moment we actually knew we were taking him, and then right after we picked him, he, he just oozed this uh, sincere humility uh, and, and confidence. Like not that false modesty stuff you tend to see sometimes nowadays. And I right. we won't get into that. It was more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident. I'm down to earth. Uh, I'm good, but I'm also humble. And, and that's going to serve him a long NHL career. <laughs> and it's, 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 yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think, I think uh, that was one of the few cases where we kind of just saw like a fan or a fan base or a lot of people working with the team kind of <laughs> call, what, what was he like mm -hmm. 19 years old, 20 years mm -hmm. old when he made yep. the, the league. And they were like, this guy's mm -hmm. a leader already at, at, at that, that mm -hmm. early age, which is, you don't see that very often. So I, I think that really does have to do with the character of, uh, 
of the players we're talking yeah. about earlier. And I think it's a safe guy to talk about. Obviously, it's a fun guy to talk about because he's a big part of the Canucks today, and he's come a long way since he played junior. But even when you yeah. go back there, uh, you know, uh, you guys will probably like this. Is the guy who mentioned in his interview that he wanted to be just like Bull Horvat was just won the Stanley Cup, Robert Thomas. Mm-hmm. It was his idol. Like he just in London, he when we interviewed him, he's like, I just want to be like Bo Horvat. I'm playing in London and I and I'm in the same city and I asked Dale all the time what Bo did and what did Bo used to do and you know it's it's worked out pretty good for Robert Thomas too. So uh, yeah, Bo yeah, Horvat's no one of the one of the good ones for sure. Unreal. All right, Felix, all right. so you want to grab this next question? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Chris, Felix, Felix hey, again, Chris. and kind of talking talking about the Stanley Cup uh, segue here. The the league, the NHL, can be kind of perceived as a copycat mm-hmm. league at times. Uh, if we think back to LA winning their two cups in 2012 and 2014, the teams kind of wanted to establish this uh, this heavier style of play. Whereas when Pittsburgh won their two in a row, teams then shifted towards smaller, more u- u- utility type players. And now with this uh, Stanley Cup final, we just uh, saw. This year, we kind of see this mm-hmm. heavy team back, uh, uh, style again. So I was wondering, how does this go into your evaluation of players? And then do you look at the trends uh, for uh, what the, where the league's at and how you match that to a player uh, mm-hmm. when you're scouting? Uh, it's a good, I think, Felix, what we, what we try and do, and, and you guys probably talk about this a lot, is, is it's difficult to watch the regular season in the NHL, and I'll, I'll be careful here, <laughs> and then watch the playoffs. Uh, because it's it's a different game. There's hardly any penalties called. It is harder. It's two months every second night. It, it's a it's a grind, and I agree that it's mm-hmm. a it's a copycat league. And, and we talk about what type of players, and big defensemen, and and heavy forwards. We do talk about that, <clears throat> but I think what we catch ourselves and we don't want to get caught up in is, I agree, it's a very much so a copycat league. So wouldn't wouldn't the real question be to get ahead of the curve and know where the league's going to be no in questions. three years. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's probably a better question. If it's going to continue to go speed and skill and one-on-one and two-on-twos out of the corner, if, if that's all the, the place the game is going, then we probably should prepare for that by having that type of player that's going to be there three years from now and, and not be catching up. So that, that's what we spend a lot of time talking mm-hmm. about. And at the end of the day, you know, it's it's you know, upper management has all the information and they have to use that accordingly and, and try and build a team. And as scouts, we're not really build, building the team very much at all. We're we're taking trying to take the best players based on this guy versus that guy. And, and if the league keeps going in the right direction, hopefully it pays off and, and you've got the right players and you're not playing catch up. But I, I think a lot of teams get caught playing catch up. Uh, and I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh yeah for sure that was that was definitely a, a nice answer and i and i agree with you for sure definitely you want to mm-hmm. be ahead of the curve mm-hmm. in that way that's a really interesting point though um uh chris in the sense that you were saying that there, you kind of need to just to, to distinguish the regular season from the playoffs right we have like this kind of recency bias that um just because this ha- like this worked in the playoffs now that kind of throws I guess the NHL themes on its axis a little bit, but you know, maybe it's, yeah. And that can be frustrating for sure. I think it's frustrating for the players. It's frustrating for the coaches, but I, I think when you look at the balance of your team, depth becomes a pretty huge issue 
um, mm. in regard to being able to have guys come up and play if they need to play, and those guys that are watching every night in the press box that can actually come in with an injury and make a contribution. And the playoffs does, you know, play itself out as a bit of a marathon in itself, but you get caught in that, you know, you got to get in. And the, and the good news is, I think, and I'm not trying to, you know, I, I, there's a lot of really good guys I know that scout for St. Louis, and I'm very happy for for some of those guys. And I think right. it's pretty I think it's pretty cool they were in last place January first, and it blew that whole theory incredible it blew that whole theory story. out of the water about the American Thanksgiving. And it, I remember reading articles in in Vancouver if you're not in over the line by January or American Thanksgiving, you're never making it. Like that that's pretty uh, inspirational for teams that are maybe struggling on January and maybe need to make a change. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Too. Would only happen in hockey. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable when you think about it. To come from last place and win a Stanley Cup in January, it's pretty amazing. So there's hope. That's why we <laughs> yeah. love this sport. Yeah. Keeps yeah. you tuned in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, Connor, yep. do you want to grab the next yeah. one? Yeah. Um, so hindsight is always kind of twenty twenty, especially for something um, – you know, as evident as the draft where you, you, you have picks, everyone's kind of slated in a, in a certain order. Um, I remember when we actually first met, Chris, uh, you told me about this exercise that you that you guys do kind of when you're on the road, especially, you know, being a, a regional scout in Ontario where you're doing a lot of a lot of driving back and forth from London to Kingston and back, right? Um, and so you, you, would, you, would, you would do this exercise where you would kind of, uh, to fill time, you'd comb over past drafts and talk about each player, you know, what you thought about them at the time, what their development curves were like. Um, like, what do, you, what do you try to get out of that? Well, I, I think uh, you got a good memory, by the way, Connor. I think, <laughs> I think, I think what we try and get out of it is, is, is a, it's, it's a lot of fun and a good way to kill time. And, and like, much like yourselves, we're still fans of the game to a certain extent. We all played, but right. we still like to follow the game. So um, we did that actually this year. Um, Todd Harvey and Judd Brackett and I drove all the way to North Bay and and for whatever reason, social media dropped the ball. Something happened. The game was canceled. There was a crack in the roof and, and we literally drove home from North Bay after driving to North Bay. So on the way back, we had three hours or whatever it was. And, and we went through what you just said. We went through the last oh, four or five years for, for almost, for almost every team and, and try to remember, or first of all, without even looking, on your phone or one person would have their phone going, I was doing the driving uh, to see how many games somebody played or have, have they been successful. And, and the, at the, the exercise, it's a lot of fun, but it also forces you to look at what type of player have our teams interested in, not just our team. And is there a bit of a pattern in the, some of the picks at certain rounds? Do they go skill early? Do they, do they go size later? Do they go European late? Like, is there any pattern? And the biggest reason is so you don't make the same mistakes over again. Like you should be able to learn something from it. If if there's you're constantly in the fourth round and taking a, a maybe an undersized defenseman who can run a power play, but they're just not making it. Maybe you should switch it up and go to something different. And and who's making it and who's not making it. So I think that's the value to it. And, and you've got some time to kill, and it's a fun way to do it. And, and also the the people that, that are doing it and sitting in the car together. We're not pointing the finger at anybody saying. You know, you drafted that guy, and, and he's terrible. And I, I'm sure there's a long line of people all over the world right now that that found, just like people said they found Bobby Orr. Or people are probably saying they found Elias Pet- Petterson right now. <laughs> Everyone wants to say they found Elias Petterson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
But yeah, no yeah. It, it's uh, when people succeed, it's easier. So, and, and we had some people watch uh, PE play for a heck of a long time before he was drafted, and some real good people spent a lot of time there. So, uh, it's amazing when no one cares sort of who gets credit, how far you can go. But uh, getting back to your to answer your question, going back and looking at drafts, I think has some value, and I don't think enough teams do it in a trusting environment where you can actually say, Hey, maybe, maybe we should be going in a different direction. I think you learn from it is what, what I'm trying to say. Well, you made a really good point there in the sense that, um, you know, it's, it's not about like the egos. It's, you're not, you're not trying to point at someone and say, Hey, you, you took a flyer in this one player. Yeah. It didn't work out. Right. Hmm. You're trying to, you're trying to learn at the end of the day, like every day you're trying to be the better scout, I guess, evaluator of talent. You were yesterday, one hundred percent. And if you, if you're onto something in the late rounds and it's working for you, and and the players start playing in the NHL, like you look at, you know how hard it is to have even a three good three years. It, it, it's hard. And if you can find something that works for you, and your general manager and your your director of player personnel and everybody's on board, and you're you're all talking the same language, it, it can work out pretty well. But then you also have to know why is it working well. And so if it's not working well what should we be doing different? So I think by going back and looking at those drafts, it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's something we do too, Chris. So, uh, I think, I think we, I think we qualify, That's we qualify we for an internship. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Right on. Yeah. Right on. It is fun. It is fun. Yeah. Any, uh, that was actually uh, a, a great segue into to my next question. Really? Uh, when you were, well, I, you, you mentioned that you watched our first episode, and there was uh, some idiot in the red <laughs> oh, he was who was just going on about identity. I don't know what he was talking about, but uh, I've got to ask this question here. So, um, yeah, we've, we've talked about having a team identity on here before. So you hear a lot about, uh, you know, culture for management and uh, what makes a player be a quote-unquote Canuck. Uh, what's one way you can actually determine if a player will embody those characteristics? Um, like, is it... Uh, type of size or skill or um, is always kind of positional or do you do you mind touching you, you kind of uh, touched on that in the last question do you mind just kind of uh, furthering on that I think what makes a Canuck is that your question you cut out on me there from it sort of what makes a Canuck and the oh sorry yeah what yeah what what, uh, what yeah the identity and culture that kind of surrounds the Canucks because um, we talk yeah. about that a lot and I think when you when you look at what makes a Canuck and when we're looking at that, we actually have a, a question right on our um, rate net now that just basically says yes or no. And it's a great question. At the end of the day, you have to make a decision. Would, would this person be someone you want to see wear a Canucks jersey? And, and you know, you guys have been at, at Queens, and I'd like to think that's a pretty good uh, institution of higher learning. And, and when you... When you look at you know character and you look at leadership and you look at those type of things, it, 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 you're starting to talk a little bit about culture. And when you're talking about culture, you're talking about sort of predictable behaviors by people in the group. And and we'd like to think that people like that core guys we have now, like Bo and and, and Brock and Petey and and those older guys like Alex and 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 the, the group culture has been very sound. And, and it's probably a lot of that goes back to the twins. And they 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 mm -hmm. would they had a mm -hmm. bar that was so high in regard to character and 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 physical testing and, and how good a shape they were in and what they did in the community. Like, I'm sure you guys realize it because you were watching it. But of course, course. Pe people don't realize outside of probably the Canucks organization how important those two guys will always be 
uh, to the organization uh, and to the identity. Uh, what two better guys to to have as the poster guys and the, and the face of your franchise than them? So I think when you look at players and we scout players, we we're spending a lot more time making sure that can you put them in that room and, and they're really going to be what fans want to watch, what coaches want to coach these players. So character and, and, and that identity and that, that culture is something we take very seriously and work very hard at it. And people just playing the right way. And, and, and that's, you look at St. Louis, that was a hard team to play against and they've got an identity there. And, and I think our identity is, is, um, getting back to where it needs to be in regard to being a hard team to play against some skill with guys like Petey and, and Brock and some, you know, we got some dynamic playmaking in Quinn and, and Thatcher Demko is going to be a great guy to play with, you know, Marky. Like there's, there's some pretty good pieces there where people should be very hopeful. And that has to do a lot with culture. I hope, I hope that answers your question later. Oh, that's that was a great answer. Um, I I love the part uh, about the Sedins because um, I I hope people kind of remember that you know uh, uh, Bo got to play a couple years under uh, Henrik and Daniel. Brock got to play one, um, and you know uh, Stetcher and Hutton from the back end, and just just those those years. Um, the, even though there's it was it was limited, uh, that is kind of how you can pass on from one one generation to the next and i i just i hope people remember how you know how crucial that was to um to uh building our team moving forward now with a whole new uh generation and and you can't you can't recreate that to have those people in the room every day and traveling and doing the stuff they were doing with those young players you can't recreate that and, and have like an artificial intelligence or go to a virtual reality and put the goggles on and say oh i'm sitting in a room now with the twins and, and Hall first battle. You're underestimating technology, Chris. I might. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All right, you guys can probably pull that off. So if you do that, I want it. <laughs> I don't. It, it's like That's taking a, 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 you know, a PhD in leadership for a year when you can get to play with those guys. And, and we need to take advantage of that. And, and uh, it's nice to see that they've left that lasting impression on the organization. And I know you guys know that. Know that. And it, it's good that people know that. And I mean, they they could have easily just ch- chased chased cups, but it just kind of shows how much respect that they had for the organization too. That they they really cared about um, pass, passing the torch correctly, you know. Just um, and yeah, I, I I mean, I've always respected the Sedins, and and yeah, I, I think that's just one of the most classy things you can possibly. I think do. it's great, and the way they the way they finished up that last game. I'm sure you guys still have that vivid in your memory. Oh my god! Oh my god! god. <laughs> too much, man. But. Well, yeah, you can't make that up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so amazing answer, Chris. Thanks again. Before before I jump into the next question, yep. I just have two points. Yep. Um, the Sedins, another another Thomas Grudin masterpiece, and yep. I think his his role in sort of building the team that we had through through the 2010s was was sort of understated in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he was able to identify them, and then and then Berkey was able to pull it off on on draft night. Hundred um, percent. Just, just a great story that uh, you know. Again, some people may not know, mm-hmm. um, and, and also I, I've heard I've heard Jim Benning talk a lot about insulating that new generation with uh, high character guys. And um, you know, when when Roussel and when Beagle were signed last off season, I think mm-hmm. a lot of Canucks fans were were maybe thrown off because the mantra was was definitely get younger, play with skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look mm-hmm. at guys like like Roussi and, and Beags, the 
the playoff experience and uh, the grit that they play with, um, I think is instrumental in, in bringing these guys along faster. And that's, that's probably a big reason why we saw such a quick development, especially with, uh, with Petey and, you know, Brock is, is a natural of course, and he had that Sedin experience, but I think that they'll be, they'll be huge for ushering in uh, Quinn as well and helping uh, Petey develop even, even more into the superstar that, that we all expect him to be at this point. So. I'd agree with that a hundred percent, and that's what Travis and Jim and and management that talks about all the time, uh, putting those guys in the right environment. I'd agree that those veteran players and those older guys, and and that's one thing about the game that that hasn't changed in in many many years. Uh, I remember when I worked for the Leafs many years ago, that that other team, <laughs> the uh, the other the one, Pat, yeah. Pat Quinn. <laughs> I was lucky enough to cross paths with Pat Quinn, who was one of the greatest leaders I've ever had chance to meet in my life and I remember Pat talking and joking about he said people always thought that Powell Burry uh, played all the time on a line with Gino and he he only had to play with Gino when he needed to (laughs) that that was pretty telling so so, (laughs) no kidding no so I just to jump on that yeah go ahead sorry go ahead Chris no 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 No, I'm good so I think I think I think keeping those guys in a good situation those young guys is something that the management guys up top are very mindful of and I'd also agree yes. that Thomas did a pretty good job in here finding those Swedish guys and that's that's pretty 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 nice on his part go ahead yeah all I, all I wanted to kind of say was you were saying that uh you know playing a year with with the Sedins is like taking a PhD on, on leadership when you play with those guys I think that's that's a phenomenal quote that was yeah. good um, unfortunately, PD didn't have that opportunity to take that class um, this year. Um, hmm. So m- maybe you can maybe talk about maybe a story you heard from from Thomas Green or someone who maybe had followed him, I guess, before 2017. Because obviously there there were rumbles that you know he had, you know, top <laughs> two or top one uh, uh, first overall um, talent. But you know, what were some maybe some things about his leadership or uh, I guess his personality that really stood out? Well, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll t- share something quick before the fact. I know that uh, the guys in Sweden really did their homework, and a lot of our other guys saw him a lot more than most teams. I'm quite aware of that now. Because although other teams don't sort of would never tell you where they have the guy on their list, obviously, they, they, they will express sometimes that they probably should have had more views or they should have seen a guy a little more. So I think Thomas did a great job, and, and our European guys, but uh, the guys that got over there to see him play did a great job as well. And they, and they they knew he was a, a solid person and a solid character and and I think you're right. Some teams probably, looking back, you've mentioned already that hindsight's twenty twenty, and they probably would have had him higher. But one thing I I think is telling about him that I didn't realize till after we drafted him. If you look back and you rewind the tape, when when we pick him on on Friday, and he comes up and, and he's around, but on Saturday he's at the draft almost the whole day Saturday at the table. Did you guys know that? No, no, I did not. Yeah, well, you do no. now. There's your podcast break. <laughs> came, came back down on Saturday and sat with us with his hat on and his jersey, and his parents were still there. And he was unbelievably interested in who we were going to pick, who these guys were, what type of players they were. I've never seen it. And a couple other teams noticed it because how many first-round picks get drafted on Friday and go back down to the table Saturday and meet all the guys that are getting drafted on Saturday? Have you ever heard of it? Never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. Never. That's awesome. So he does that. And then Saturday after the draft's over, he comes up to the suite and he meets all the guys who get drafted on Saturday. Like, that's pretty impressive. And then on Sunday, he goes home to, to uh, people we thought he was going home. Do you know where he was on Sunday and Monday? 
<laughs> it's in Vancouver. It's in Vancouver outside Trevor's office and Jim's office trying to get a, a, a pass to get into the ring to work out. Oh my Lord. No way. No. no. That's crazy. That's crazy because, you know, you, you, we, as, as, uh, so we're fans of multiple sports and, um, you know, for, for a lot of us right now, we're, we're really glued to the NBA and it kind of seems like, you know, that it's like he's got like this killer mentality in a sense that, you know, he's obsessed with getting better. He's obsessed with, He's Kawhi Leonard. He's Kawhi Leonard yeah. of the Canucks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love hearing. I love hearing that. I love hearing. I that. love it. Yeah. Two favorite players are there. So. No, you're right. Uh, he he's got that ability, and that bar is so high for performance. It's it's really something to see, and and it's special. And you guys see it, and and that the the hard he works, but also the respect factor was another thing that just blew, I think, everybody away. But uh, Thomas reminded us, he played two years in, with men. So he knows the respect issue. He knows, you know, back of the plane. He knows back of the bus. He, 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 he doesn't come with a big ego, in the, but he's got, right. that, he's got that confident, I'm going to get this done and I know what I'm doing and you got to keep up. So uh, if I, if, uh, I wish I could have kept track of how many kids come to the combine and, and, and you ask them what, you know, maybe what their dream would be or whatever. And if I hear one more guy say he wants to play on it with Elias Peterson, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I always say the lineup's getting pretty long. So <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I have a very, two very quick follow-ups before I jump, jump into the next question, just because this is, this is fascinating. Um, I, I remember Petey's interview um, on After Hours pretty early in the season. And, you know, I remember it was the first chance that a lot of us got to hear him talk at length about sort of his, his history and, and where he comes from and his mentality, that sort of stuff. Um, and a lot of people questioned how, how, how slight his frame was and whether or not that would translate to the next level. Um, but I, I think it's really unquestionable at this point. Like you said, he knows the back of the bus. He knows what it's like to be the smallest guy on his team for his entire life. And uh, if that wasn't one of the main factors in, in producing uh, not only his mentality, but also his ability on the ice to play in tight spaces and to find his teammates and, and make those around him better, um, I think that that has to be one of, the, one of the major factors. And I don't know if you can disclose this information, but uh, in 2017 on draft night, and stop me if I'm going too far, um, were you going to take Nolan Patrick or Nico Heischer had you won the lottery or was it going to be EP all along? As far as I know, and I'm, I don't think I'm talking out of school, as far as I know, the, most of the guys in that room were, were so locked in on Patterson. Uh, I, I don't know what the lottery, I can't say the lottery would have changed it, but I do know that right. Patterson, Patterson was the guy. And, and, Unreal. And, and, and the guys were, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we had a feeling it was going to play out the way it would in the top two, three guys for sure. And, yep. and, you know, we, you sit there and you think, you know, and I, and I know other teams, like I said, they, they never tell you where they had them, but I, I've known some guys for many years. I used to play with some of these guys and when Petey would do something spectacular, you'd see them on the road the next day and they're going, man, we, we, we good for you guys for stepping up. Cause we probably didn't have him where we should have had him. So sometimes it works right. out, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's 2020 though. I, I hope he wins the Calder and, you know, I hope he goes on to be a great Canuck because it's a it's a wonderful story, and he's a you know he's a, he's a he's a guy that in the right environment, and I think that environment's being created for him there yeah. now. You guys are right; he he could be a absolute spectacular 
player to lead the franchise for for many years. I have butterflies, by the way, just like hearing you talk about this man. Like, this is, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because he, he's given hope to to a team that was a little bit hopeless in the past few years. And not alone, obviously. There's there's a cavalry. There's an army there that's being built, which we which we really admire and respect as, as Canucks fans. But, um, yeah, for, for him, for you guys to have had that much confidence in him and for him to sort of... Uh, back that up with with his play and and especially with his character I, I think is amazing um, so in, in just in the interest of time I'm, I'm gonna move on quickly right here to our next question um, we, we sort of spoke about this earlier in terms of the modern technology and modern analytics sort of providing more information uh, to scouting teams um, which doesn't necessarily make it better but maybe it makes makes it easier to uh, to split hairs and make those decisions that that can be more difficult um, so I, w- I wouldn't argue that uh, it makes everything perfect, but I think it gives you a more complete picture of who a player is. Um, so sort of what you were touching on earlier, how do you balance um, the data analysis and the analytics side of things um, without without going too deep into it and still sort of uh, holding on to those core values of, of having um, leaders and um, natural natural teammates that are going to sync well together. How is that balance sort of created? Well, I think again, as a group, we have a bit of a balance because we we have people that are doing it. We have people that provide us with data, and and as a group, you've got access to a certain amount. Um, but let me just talk about sort of personally for me. I probably tend to utilize it. I'm not going to go too far into making decisions, but but what I use it for is I want to see people play, but then I want to constantly check back. So I start with the intuition and the actual eyes on the player. Then I want to feed in the analytic issue as fast as I can in the data, and I want to get it. And the good thing is I can get it so fast. Uh, I've been sitting at a game in Ottawa this year and just – text our guys in, in Vancouver and the time change can work in your favor at that point because it's you know the first period of a game in Ottawa and they're still around and even if they're not they get back to me right away and I'll say you know who's a comparable for this guy or, or where is this guy on our list of, of just by numbers not by yeah just by the numbers and, and it reinforces a lot of the time some things and if anything it generates some pretty good discussion whether it's a zone entry or zone denial uh, data or whatever the data is at least gets you talking about something in a different frame so what i tend to do is go the the eyeball uh, the data and then come back to the intuition then the person and the character but keep those things as all a part of the puzzle and and i probably use the data a little more i would think than the average person because i think i'm a little more open to it and i don't know whether that has yeah. to do with age or background or or whatever but and i think i'm even more open to it recently i i, I just uh, was back at your alma mater i just did the queen's executive ed <laughs> program uh, uh last week uh, finished up my last module and i'm like oh, listen to some awesome. of the, thank you listen to some of the best leaders in the world talk about data two weeks ago and execution and big and big data and 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 artificial intelligence and the more i listen to that stuff uh, we probably need to be applying it uh, a little more across the board because there is some something there that we're just getting into and and i hope we get into it more i'm I'm not sure where this is going i i doubt that we'll be tracking devices but who knows but but uh, answer the question i i like the data part 
it's a huge piece of the puzzle and if you don't use it you can always come back later but by, by not using it I, I think you're leaving a big part out of the picture because because data is everywhere now in every profession and in, in the medical profession and in business it's everywhere and, and we need to i like to use it and i think we need to start using it a lot more yeah, that's, that makes perfect sense. And I think that that speaks to the idea of just having the most data available to you so you can make the most informed decision. And I, I really like the note on creating conversations as well, because that's, that's really what we do as fans too. Um, we just, we see guys' numbers, we see their, their performance, and we want to talk about it. We want to make comparables. Um, and a really, qu a really quick follow-up to that, I know you mentioned Robert, Robert Thomas um, idolizing Bill Horvat earlier, playing for the same junior team. Um, does, does having that pedigree and having a really consistent coaching staff in junior or college or wherever you're drafting guy from, how big of a role does that play in knowing the, the development trajectory or at least having an idea of who those players worked with? Like, does that familiarity um, play a big role when you're, when you're splitting hairs as well between players? I, I wouldn't say it plays a, a big role, but, but we talk about it, and it's a bit of a factor only because you want the, the, time, the timeline is quite short, really between the time right. you draft and the time you have to decide. So do you want them in an yeah. ideal, great situation? You know the coaching staff. You've had players go through there before. Of, of course you do. Are there some less than ideal situations for players that they find themselves in? Yeah, uh, but it's important to be honest about when that's happening. Um, I'm not, I don't think it would ever stop us from, from drafting a guy that we really like, but I think the onus would be on us to really be honest with our development team and say, Hey, look guys, you know, if we're going to pick this guy, I'm not sure what the scenario is next year for his development. You probably going to have to spend a lot of time there and, and, you know, be prepared to do that. But you know, really interesting. if that makes sense. So it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Ideally the other thing we never do. And I, I, I hope no NHL team does is we're not in the business of moving junior hockey players. So that that's between their teams and their agents and whatnot. Mm, but yeah. I, I think you get lucky or I think you're more comfortable, obviously when you know some of these coaches as well. And, and a lot of the stuff about hockey Canada, like sometimes you can't recreate those situations either. Like if, if there's a guy that's going to be on hockey Canada's radar, I'm just using Canada for example, because I think we're all Canadians over there. So, so, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I look at that and I say, okay, for me personally, is it a bit of a bias? It, it might be, but if I look at two players that are equal and I know a guy's played U17, U18, Holinka, world championships, now he's going to probably be a world junior. He's going to be a leader. That, that, that sways me slightly. Of course it does. I'm human. You know, if he's going to be a guy that's going to have all these wonderful times where he's going to be thrown into the fire and, and be a better player for it, you have to factor that in. So, you know, how much? That's that's not my decision. <laughs> I just want people to be aware. This is what this player's next two years is probably going to look like from the day we draft him to the day we decide to sign him and bring him in as a Canuck. I think you hit Amazing. it right on the head there, yeah. Chris, in the mm -hmm. sense that, like, when you said, you know, you know, you're human, right? Like, at the end of the day, we're picking – or you're picking yeah. players that are human. 100%. You yourself, you know, you, they're, they're maybe – things you want to learn throughout the years, but you know, at the end of the day, you can only be so objective in your analysis, right? Yeah. And you guys, I probably talk a lot about that. And I think it's important to start being a little more honest about that. Like any, I've heard people say they do their scouting and they run their teams without bias, without prejudice, without this. Well, what that, is that's, that? a, that's a nice statement, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but I don't know what company or what school 
uh, every experience I've had, there's been quite a bit of bias, quite a bit of prejudice, quite a bit of uh, pattern in regard to who gets hired. That's sort of the world we work in nowadays. Yeah, no kidding. And, and, and the advantage we have to go the other way, the advantage we have is we can truly decide who we want to pick and we don't really have to justify it to anyone. We, we don't have to worry about, we're just picking the best person. And, and that, if it, you know, we hope they become the players they can be. But when I watch Jet Wu play, because I don't get to see him play very much, and I see Ooh. how hard he plays and, and the way he plays, I, I get excited about that. But I don't get a chance to see Jet play much. But I think he's a guy that Canuck fans eventually are going to really like to see the way he plays. And, and yeah. But, you know, those are things that, you know, you, you hope when you pick players, you, you give them a chance to succeed. And, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I found it interesting. I got a, a snapshot sent to me. Maybe I'll send it to Connor after the broadcast of, of all the um, nationalities of the St. Louis versus Boston. It was pretty tough. We talked about that. We actually yeah. talked about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you, you pick a team to win a cup based on where they're from. Don't get me wrong. And don't get me in trouble here. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you want to factor in as many things as you can. I think you guys are on to something and you're correct. The data, the, the character, the ability to play, the skill, it's all got to be thrown in there to be looked at. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we only have one question left. Oh, sorry, guys. Chris. Talking too much. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's, no, it's okay. <laughs> this has been great. We definitely want to have you back if, if you're willing. Oh, absolutely. Maybe do it. Maybe do an entire episode on on, on PD because I think uh, yeah, I think we could do that. Would be, would be nice <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we were talking about uh, players being human. Are we sure? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Are we sure? Uh, yeah. This guy's know. not just a robot, just cranking out, you know, 30 yeah. goals a year. I, I yeah, whatever is that. Kawhi is, Kawhi is certainly no, not a human. No. So, uh, <laughs> no. But you look at you look at Kawhi, and I don't want to get off on a Raptors talk because we were pretty excited about that here. But you look at how much his personality has changed Kyle Lowry. It's, it's changed that whole team. Mm. And, and if he isn't a, an argument for changing one guy can make a big difference that's him mm-hmm. okay. i'm a big i'm a big fan I, I love i love the tie into basketball that's yeah. great yeah um well yeah connor did you have one more yeah. question or yeah or well, I, was it my I have okay. one last one so yeah. like speaking of you know um guys with experience and uh, affecting like you know younger players and um you know making a difference with those with those types of uh those types of guys when we first met and kind of reaching back into this memory bank again uh, you offered me some advice and kind of pushed me towards continuing to work in hockey because you kind of said that the NHL needs some, you know, younger voices, some 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 new blood. And so, you know, I would I would honestly attribute a lot to where you know I am right now, working kind of in hockey essentially, um, you know, doing some data analysis uh, at this company that I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you inspired me. So maybe All you right. could share for our younger listeners, perhaps, which probably don't have any listeners right now to be honest um if, if people are wondering if they have a shot to work in hockey one day um uh, maybe you could share for us uh why you know you told me to to, yeah. to push and continue to, to 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 pursue this well i think the very first time we met in in kingston it, it was clear that you had a, a real strong desire and a passion and you cared and, and you can tell you care about hockey and you can tell in, in, the, in your voices, all you guys, when you're talking about it, like you, you love hockey, you love sports and you love the Canucks and, and it, it comes across instantly. So I'd say to, to you and, and to those younger people starting out, you, you, if, as long as that fire's there, fuel it. If it means taking a course, if it means 
a meeting somebody who can help you out. If it means reading about uh, picking up a book and reading something about uh, Astro Ball, for example, was a great book I read a couple of trips ago. Like anything that gets you better at what you do, then make sure you do that uh, because I think there is going to be room for people in the game for a long time. As long as they really want to get to where they want to go and they and they care about what they're doing, uh, you know, there's there's room for lots of people in the in the game and many different levels so i would say just pursue it like uh you know you never you know just don't get discouraged stay patient and, and go for it like you guys obviously are on something here and you like what you do and you enjoy each other's company and who knows where this is going to go I, I hope you all end up where you want to go I, I, and i think you can do that you're bright guys and and yourself just keep at it don't be just don't be discouraged it's it's a breakthrough <laughs> Love I it. Think that's great. Honestly, that's wow. that's that's great. Great. <laughs> One last you. super quick question: yep. What was your favorite jersey at the last or the the four that were just released uh, from the Canucks? Yeah, I, I I'm a fan of the uh, the one with the whale, like the the, the traditional one, because um, like with the sea, like when they first went to Orca there, I sort of liked that yeah. one yeah. because my uh, when my daughter was really young, she's like twenty five, four twenty five now, and there, I found a picture, believe it or not, when she was probably six, going to hockey school with my son, and I was working for the Leafs, and my mother in law bought my son uh, an Ottawa jersey just to sort of make me angry and my daughter my, my, <laughs> my daughter's favorite player was Marcus Nazem and, oh, and wow. never oh, knew I'd ever work for the awesome. Canucks but she was huge Nazi fan so that's uh that's why I like wow, that jersey yeah. I have a picture of my daughter West Coast Express I mean that's yeah that's we we grew up watching those jerseys too so or loving those 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 ones as well believe it or not fellas is my uh I have a t-shirt my son gave me uh, we the north <laughs> unreal nice, nice. unreal awesome all right any any other uh questions that you boys want to want to ask chris before we let him go i think we've taken up a decent chunk of his of his day so I'm, far yeah. no i'm uh all questioned I'm out same here yeah perfect um well in, in that case we'll, we'll let you go chris we we really appreciate your time um and for for those listeners who uh enjoyed the the dialogue we we have chris mcdonald here canuck scout um, we're, we're super lucky to have been able to chat with you today and uh, really appreciate some of the insight you shared. And I'm um, already uh, texting some of my friends to get them hyped up about the eventual release of this podcast because it was, uh, yeah, it was everything I could have imagined and, and more. And, and we really, really appreciate your time and, and the insight. And we look forward to, to draft night and coming up real soon here. So thanks again, Chris. Awesome, fellas. And thank you. It's my uh, first podcast. And I'm, I'm, it was awesome. I, I uh, really appreciate you guys having me on. And I, I'll, t- I'll talk hockey anytime. You guys want to have me back on sometime after the draft and we'll break it down. Just have Connor. Fuck. Oh, Connor, Connor awesome. knows how to find me. All right. <laughs> Noted. Noted. Almost right. too well. Right, Thanks Chris. so much. <laughs> no, that's good. All good, okay, Chris. Take care. Thank you, Chris. Happy, Thank you. Happy, Thank you. Thanks, guys. Father's Take day. care. Good talking. Happy Father's Day. Day. Thank you, Chris. Boys. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Take care. See ya. Bye now. So thanks to everyone who listened to that interview with Chris McDonald of the Vancouver Canucks. I know us on the podcast. As soon as we came off the air, we <laughs> there wasn't any usable audio. We were all kind of kind of shell shocked with how well that kind of went. We didn't really have anything or any expectations going in. It was our first interview, and you know Chris really is such a great guy. I've known him for a couple of years, and um, I knew it was going to go well but I didn't really expect it to go that well um, all of his kind of all of the questions that we really asked were kind of cookie cutter 
Um, and he kind of opened up to us and telling us about stories about Bo Horvat and his character, him going through the same kind of draft process of all of the kids going through the draft this year, how guys like Robert Thomas wanted to be just like Bo. Um, I also thought his uh, comments about analytics and data were really interesting and how it really kind of shapes his evaluation moving forward, how he really feels like it's going to be a big part um, of his work uh, as he you know, understands the ramifications of things like big data and the things that he's learning at Queens uh, in that business uh, executive program. Um, but at the same time, understanding you know, where his biases are currently and um, that he's human. And I think that a lot of people underestimate the human nature and the human aspect of sports. And um, we do maybe dehumanize these guys who work at organizations like uh, in, in pro sports. So um, and lastly, obviously, everyone's probably going to, to remember the Elias Pedersen stories uh, about his draft and how we all know how skilled this kid is. Uh, but to hear stories about what he wanted to do um, you know, after he was drafted fifth overall, um, wanted to sit at the draft table uh, with Trevor and with Jim Benning, wanted to know who were the guys who were going to get drafted, uh, under, and, and meeting everyone. And, you know, the Sunday after the draft, wanted to get a key to the facilities to start training. Like, those are the stories, those are the things uh, that you want in a player uh, who may be, you know, a, a future superstar in the NHL. Those are, those are stories of, of, of legends. So just wanted to thank Chris again for an amazing interview. It was a lot of fun for us on the podcast, uh, and hopefully we can have him on uh, again in the near future, perhaps dissecting uh, the most recent draft that's going to be in, in the next couple of days, uh, and as well as breaking down some of the, the, free, agency, uh, the free agency stories that are going to be coming up um, for the NHL as well as the NBA. So just wanted to thank everyone again for, for listening and tuning in. Um, to the Coast to Coast podcast. We're going to have a lot of, uh, hopefully a lot of content coming out in the next little bit um, before the summer's um, kind of wrapping up. And uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have Clute play us out once, in, uh, once again. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great weekend. Talk anymore now